Welcome to RCS. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And we're at Drivers Club. It's a nice day to be here. It wasn't a nice day earlier. No, it sucked sideways. earlier. Yeah. It's supposed to be nice coming up, though. Is it? Yeah. Oh, good. good. Go ride a motorcycle more. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Know what you're talking about? I don't know what you're, know what you're talking about. All right. I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking no about. No clues? Nope. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. <laughs> me either. Yeah, no, me either. Yeah. Oh, I am looking for one right now. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. The funniest part was when I thought, you know, I'll just go in on a Tuesday morning. No, it was, what, was it Tuesday? Wednesday. And Wednesday. I'll go in morning. It'd be nice. And I walk in there, and I had looked at their we- their website at I-90 and picked about four bikes that I wanted to see. And I walk in there, and there's this there's a used Triumph Scrambler. And there's Brandon <laughs> Ben Powell just grinning from ear to ear, sitting on it. And I'm like, you Drinking away, Jesus. making up for the last yep, episode. Yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> so I screamed at him. I was like, if you buy that. But no. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I ended up with uh, a 2018 uh Kawasaki KLR650, which absolutely is a perfect bike for me. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a good old reliable. Yeah. It'll get I, you wherever you want to go. I think there's going to have to be one little thing that I'm going to actually have to have you do. Apparently, this, have you heard the doohickey? Mm. So, it's the chain tensioner. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, that's a thing that has to be done eventually. So, yep. And it looks like it's a, it's a little bit of a open heart surgery. So, we'll see. A little bit. I don't know if you need to do it. Those bikes are pretty well approved. Well, I mean, everything on the internet is saying that it needs yeah, to be should. done. But, I mean, yeah. it's only got 1,400 miles on it. But yeah. So, I'm not, I'm not worried about it right now. But it's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm going to take it a little bit easier with this than the monkey. Because <laughs> this bike doesn't really need much. And it's going to be more of a fun going to the mountains, dual track kind of thing. So. Well, like I said, I think you'll have it for a year. I Maybe. And Maybe. then you will, and you'll love it. Yeah. But oh, then yeah. you'll be like, now I want 200 pounds less. I want, yeah. <laughs> weight, weight is an issue. I will yeah. say that. It's, That's a good um, starter bike, though. But you know, it it came with the it came with a muffler system, which is good. It came with crash bars. I'm going to put some more crash bars on it, and then I'm going to put, like I told you, a, a little power uh, inverter or power unit, just so I can power phones and things like that. So yeah, so you yeah. get your GPS up there. Yeah. Not so you can ch- text while you're riding. No, 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 <laughs> I no. Love no. that. What do you need a phone mount for? I'm like, because I don't know where I'm going. Like I'm. <laughs> So yeah, I uh, I did. I finally got the uh, the the Senna fifty into my helmet. It took me. It's taking a little bit to yeah figure that out and get it. Because uh, as you know, I have a triple X helmet, and it, there was just enough space to put my head in there. And then you put like that on the side. The bike and, boom. <laughs> and then you put the boom, and then you put the the hair um, headphones in. Headphones in, and it's, it's it's squishing my head a little bit right now. So yeah. we're working on that. You get used to it, but it, yeah, it takes up a little bit of space. In no, there. I'm just gonna beat the inside of the hammer. It's fine. I've done similar things. Yeah. <laughs> that foam is used to that kind of stuff. So. I've cut out a little bit of the foam before on some old helmets. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't. I my, there's just enough foam to be around my big head, so I don't know if I want to cut any out. So we're good. Yeah. Yeah. I I keep. So the problem with dual sports is they typically fall into two categories, and they don't do both well. Mm-hmm. Dual sport is like either a dirt bike with a plate, and yeah. it's really kind of terrible to ride on the road, but it's awesome off road. Or they're kind of a street bike with knobbies, and where they're great on the road, and they do okay on a gravel road, but there's not a lot in the middle. And so that's what I'm struggling with right now. It's because it's I miss riding like actual dirt bike riding, but I want I'm looking like, am I still doing single track? Is that really still me anymore? I don't want to so. do single. It's it's ironic because I've got the KL six fifty and then Sarah bought the, the Suzuki DR six fifty, which is the two yeah. closest to the middle you can get as far as and the the Suzuki's better off road and the KLR is better on road. So Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at this KTM six ninety oh, or the Husqvarna nice. seven oh one, which has been on my list for years, by the way. Yeah, I, I looked at those two up uh, up north. I did yeah. I did look at those. And then I looked at the price and went, Oh, okay. Yeah, but I mean the for no, it's worth it. For example, as I say, the reason a K- a, the KTM and the Husqvarna, which are the same, not not the same bike, but they're based off of the... It's the same engine, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're basically the same bike with different tuning, uh, suspension, and engine-wise. A few, a couple tiny differences, but they are dirt-specific. They really are. And so I'm wondering, like, would I, would I be making a mistake if I went that way? I mean, but granted, they are 200 pounds less than the K, the KLR and the DR650. 200, yeah. not 20, 200, which is an insane amount. But, you know, I'm buying a dirt. I'm buying the highest end of the dirt bike range. So I don't know. I'm, I'm still looking. But well, we'll I see. mean, you're part of the reason, like I said, when Sarah and I sat down and started talking about it, because we said, look, we know we want, to, we want bikes that will be comfortable enough to ride to the trail, and then we want to do... You know, dual track. We don't really want to be. Yeah, you want fire fire roads. I'm not really ever going to put boxes on the back of this. I'm, I've got it yeah. comes a little box, so I'm, I'm it's narrower. But like when I looked at the KTM 630 or 650 or, or 690 690. Yeah. Because I thought about that too, but then I'm like, well, it's not going to be that comfortable getting to the trail and, and no, a lot of no wind protection. Yeah. You can and put so. you can put that on it, of course. But yeah, we can get it. We could talk bikes forever, and we probably will. There's a couple people I want to get on the show, uh, in the motorcycle world. Um, there's a rider out of uh, enduro rider out of Portland I've been following online, and, 
she does some pretty awesome adventures. I'd love to have her on the show. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people from that industry still. But, uh, yeah, anyway, um, if you're a motorcycle rider, let us know what you want us to talk about. That's definitely yeah. That definitely crosses into our world, and obviously we're doing more of that and getting ready for the, the monkey enduro, which is going to be awesome. I, I will say this, and, and then I will get off the motorcycle type. I'm so used to driving the monkey. And like, you know, there's no, there's <laughs> like I'm shifting on my new bike at like 2,500, 3,000 <laughs> RPMs because it, it sounds like my monkey is doing like 50, but so, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. That's funny. Yeah. We're just dying over here to my Sorry. Nose. Yeah. No, freaking allergy season kicked in and all of a sudden, you know. It really is. Yeah. Everything went into bloom. I mowed my yard the other day and it was just this dust oh. everywhere. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> Can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Um. What do you got for our Carter Subaru tip of the day? I know it's something fun. Well, first, I have a special shout-out to Carter, who helped our friend Jeremy out. Jeremy uh, with Salvo Design is who did our logo for yeah. RCS and a bunch of our rebranding. He had some work done on his 14 Crosstrek, so much older Crosstrek, much better warranty. And yeah. they, gave him, they helped him out and got him through right away. He was very happy with the service he received there. So I do want to thank them uh, a lot. That helped out a friend of ours and obviously a sponsor of ours, which makes us very happy. So yeah. They have a great service department. Yes, there. they do. Good so guys. I appreciate them for yeah. doing that. Um, and he can walk home from there. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, but he had, he had a nice loaner, though, so he's super happy. Yeah. Um, now he wants a new Outback. So that works. You know what that's like. We all do. Yeah. I mean, we driv- we've driven that. That's a, I like that new Outback a lot. Yeah, so it's actually a really, yeah. really functional vehicle. Yeah. Um, but our Carter Super Tip of the Week is um, taken a little bit from Avance Off-Road. And I'm laughing because every time somebody posts about Avance Off-Road, there's the running joke, which is true, that I occasionally smell burning. <laughs> Not <laughs> occasionally. Be- yeah. And that is because the Avance Off-Road events run outside Dirtfish. And at one point, there was a ton of uh, topsoil and bark left there. And unlike conventional off-road mudding, you get a bunch of this stuff kicked up on your skid plates and it sticks in there because it's a lot of it is wood <laughs> occasionally catches fire. Well, tiny fires. Right between your skid plate and your exhaust. Yeah, yeah where it's shoved between your cat and your exhaust. Catalytic converter, not a real cat. That'd be terrible. Just so we're clear, I was the first one to catch my the bark under my car right. on fire. So, yeah. And we tell people relentlessly, you have to go Drop your skid plates or go to the car wash and really climb under there and spray that stuff out. Drop your skid plates because yes. I, I tried the blowout thing. It did not work. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I dropped mine and I laughed because I was like, oh, my truck is clean and spotless. Nope, dropped it still more. It just yep. never ends. Never ends. Three months, what is it, six months later now? Yeah. <laughs> We're still pulling bark out? Yeah. Anyway, it reminded me about one of the most essential things that everybody should have in their car. And this is one of those things that goes forgotten and people kind of roll their eyes but it, chances are you will hopefully never need it for yourself, but eventually you will find a reason to have one, and that is a fire extinguisher. And if you get into the real high end of the performance lines like Porsche, they offer a factory fire extinguisher mount right in front of the passenger seat. Like, it's a factory option. A lot of them mount from the roll bars, but these are factory options you can get in a lot of high-end performance cars. And this but is not a fire suppression system. This is an actual just fire. Just a fire extinguisher. You pull out, pull the pin, yeah. spray it like you would in the kitchen, that kind of thing. It's one of those things that everybody should have in their car. I just, I have not had to deal with, I take it back, that is not true. Now that I said it, I remember it. I did have a fire in one of my cars once, okay. and that was in my old RX-7. Shocking. I, what? Right? No, and, uh, those don't catch fire. It was not the fault of the car for once, even though those things have a self-destruct mission from the factory. This was actually, the previous owner had wired in an amp or something, and it wasn't grounded properly, and it arced, and it uh, caught the insulation in the, on fire in the uh back compartments. They don't have seats in the U.S., but they have these little compartment trays. Luckily, I saw the smoke, <laughs> and the only reason I was able to put it out was because I had a bottle of water in the car, and so, which is great in an electrical fire, but it was the insulation, thank God. <laughs> so that actually did put it out. I think I, I, I was putting an amp in my car and touched a, a, a live positive to a negative, and it, it burned all the way through the carpet from the front of the Subaru all the way to the back of the wagon yep. in my 92. So I know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, that was fun to explain when I sold it. Right. What's that black line? Nothing. Move Nothing. On. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Accidents yeah. happen, though. Yeah. And so even if you're, you know, an amateur doing it, stereo install work or LED lighting install, which I have seen a car burn to the ground because of a bad LED light install. They tried wow. Soldering them to the board behind the AC controls. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, it didn't quite right. Yeah, yeah. I actually saw a car burn to the ground because of that. But, I mean, you drive long enough, you're going to see a vehicle fire on the side of the road. And chances are you're going to wish you had that fire extinguisher to pull out or whoever you drove by is wishing you did. Um, There's standard equipment in every fire truck, aid car, uh, big rig out there, and pretty much every construction vehicle you can for a reason. 
So if you want one, you should get one. Um, they're pretty cheap. You can do a, a really basic seat mount in front of the passenger seat or behind the passenger seat. Or if you've got a roll bar, you can get roll bar mounts. And obviously, if you're in a truck, you get a lot more options. But one of the newest things I want to encourage people to look into, if you just don't want to mount a fire extinguisher in your car, which I get, it takes up space. I understand why people don't do it. I still think it's worth it. These new things called fire sticks. And what they are is they work oddly sort of like a road flare, except they spray fire extinguisher stuff all over everything. I think they're class C. I don't, I'm not a fire extinguisher. Some, some expert. Roy Anyth- it, nothing is better than something. You know, yeah, where's Roy Something is better than yeah. It's the generic kind that'll put out basically any fire yeah. um, is what they are. And they go for anywhere from 30 seconds to a full minute these things will run. So more than a regular standard fire extinguisher even. And most of these are waterproof, shockproof. Like you don't have to worry about recharging. You literally just strike them and they go. And they go a long time. They were featured on actually Jay Leno's Garage about two years ago. Remember when I first saw them, and I'm seeing them more places off road, especially because you can just fit them anywhere. Um, obviously, keep them somewhere convenient, but they can have these little magnetic mounts. I mean, don't keep them with your road flares; that'll just add <laughs> to the fire. Exactly, <laughs> wrong one. <laughs> yeah, but you can get these little fire extinguisher sticks. They're not cheap. I've, I mean, they think they're about fifty to eighty bucks. So if you can save the car; it's cheaper. But than yeah, I was going to say, if you look fun. at the cost of your car, like putting out a fire with one of those is going to save you tens of thousands of dollars if not you know hopefully your insurance claim is cheap but either way it's going to save you a lot of headache to do that uh, and you might save somebody else's car um, if, if you own a, a luxury italian supercar you need one of these you definitely need one of these because i'm not gonna say the brand but they tend to like to catch on fire Which especially when they sit still. there and rev at a light <laughs> <laughs> they need air yeah why is the bumper black i don't know weird. that's weird <laughs> is the plastics on it's fire smoking. and dripping i've seen it's that smoking yeah so yeah, Monterey Car Week. We have seen cars catch yeah. on fire for that. That's funny. They are always Italian too. Yep. <laughs> huh. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, so I have no go. idea why they would do that. <laughs> anyway, so Carter Super Tip of the Week: Get yourself a fire extinguisher. At the very least, get a cheap one from any parts store, Walmart, Amazon, whatever. Just a fire extinguisher matters. Trust me, you will be glad you had it. At some point, you will use it. I promise. It might take you 20 years. You might need to recharge it a few times, but you will use it. Also, and I'm this. I will remain. Somebody will remain nameless on this. If you put a fire extinguisher in your car, attach it to something. <laughs> if it's in the back and it's rolling around, pins can get pulled and they will go off. I'm just saying. <laughs> I so, have seen yeah. that happen. Uh huh. That's yeah. hilarious to watch. Actually, yep. not so not much. Not if for you're the in, the car, in the car and then the backside. No, no. Okay. I mean, <laughs> hypothetically, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. don't want to mess with the fire extinguisher. Nope. Anyway, we have a special guest today, and our guest is Zach Modden from Octuning. Welcome to the show, Zach. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Welcome. I'm always, I've always seen your guys' shop because, unfortunately, I've, some of my cars have spent time at Benchmark, and I'm driving by. I'm just like, drooling, trying not to run into another car. Yeah. Because you, know, you, you, uh, you guys, you got, your, you got your shop up there in Woodenville. Uh, we're in Redmond. I'm sorry, Redmond. Redmond. Yeah, I think you're talking about the other place right off the highway. No, I'm talking about you. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> it's got uh, the cold medicine is going to my head. So I, it's like, I said, yeah. Nick's still not with us entirely. Was he here before? No. <laughs> <laughs> so. Zach, tell us about Octuning in general. For the people who don't know Octuning or aren't uh, Audi, Volkswagen, etc. enthusiasts, you guys do more than that. We'll talk about that in a yeah. minute. But tell us about Octuning. Yeah, so we're a full service facility. Um, we focus primarily on Volkswagen and Audi, but we expand our services we do a lot of bmw um, porsche we've been doing a lot of jaguar more recently a little oh, bit cool. of land rover land rover stuff uh tuning related we can get into that as well um but we do everything we kind of consider ourselves a a full service facility but with a focus on performance so when someone comes in we're a dealer alternative but we also are a performance facility in that we've we do a lot of software brakes suspension alignment um, and then we're also we have our own company within that hartman wheels so we manufacture and distribute our own wheels for Volkswagen and Audi and a little bit of Porsche stuff as well. Um, so that kind of loosely encompasses everything that we do. Sweet. Yeah. Right. I've always thought of you guys as Volkswagen and Porsche. I mean, some of the stuff Audi. that comes out of and Audi and all yeah. that. So. Yep. Yeah, vet, Volkswagen and Audi first and foremost for sure is like our bread and butter. Um, but when it comes to like suspension and brakes, um, that really applies to everything. I mean, we, we do a lot of – we've been doing more American stuff. So you know, everything from – you know, GT500, and then, you know, like I said, a lot more Jaguar recently because some of our tuning providers have catered to that. So huh. we've broadened our horizons a little bit to help kind of take care of some of our customers that have that have expanded their lineup a little bit. 
So how did it all get started? You said you guys have been around for around 20 years now? Yeah, since 2001, really. 2001, okay. Uh, Yep. Yeah, so our owner, Bill, he actually purchased the company uh, from a couple of guys that were local here and kind of turned it into what it is today. And uh, we've always been located in Redmond, um, but we moved, I think it was five years ago, six years ago now, we moved our facility and we're right next to Queen City Automotive now, which a lot of people that are listening to are are very familiar with. And that's what I meant, not benchmark, just so we're clear. I I realized (laughs) that. There you go. I'm like, why the freeway? No. I'm, oh, God, I did say that. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. My apologies. Yeah. 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 It's a, you guys really came right around the time of the, the water-cooled craze for Volkswagen. Like, yeah. there was kind of a, a lull. I remember back in high school, like, the Volkswagen scene had just kind of started, but it was just after that where the, what was it, European tuner and sport compact car started bracing, embracing more the performance side of the Volkswagen Audi brand. Yep. Um, and so, what are you driving? Well, so nowadays I'm, I'm a truck guy, right? So I, I daily drive a Tundra. But uh, prior to that, um, I had a Golf R that was, that was fully stage two. I had water methanol injection, and um, I spent a lot of time on the track with that car, and I really did everything with it. Uh, that was one of my favorite cars that I've ever had uh, at the end of the day just because it was so versatile. Um, yeah. I, I, as you guys have seen in Avance, the Golf R is one of the most popular cars, and it's funny because a lot of our customers, um, they have – you know, a lineup of five or 10 cars that include GT3s and Raptors and everything like that. But many of them actually have Golf R's as their daily drivers. And it's because they're just such a good car to get in, Mm -hmm. but they're quick and they're also a little bit understated. And they're so capable when you start doing some of the things to them, tuning and suspension and and brakes and things like that. And they're also really cost effective as well. Yeah, we were. That's a huge community around here. And they're a good community. Cameron just sold his, which I'm still mad at him for. (laughs) He got that, that, uh, the Toyota Tacoma. That fits in more than he's all about. Mount. Tacoma or Tundras, that's what you, you got to upgrade from the Golf to something that could haul a Golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, that was one of the most fun cars I drove. He had the massive big brake kit on it. And so I wanted a Golf R. And my girlfriend, of course, was like, she didn't want the Golf. She wanted something a little more grown up, as she stated. So we got an S3. Okay, so, so was, same exact car, yeah, but not a hatchback. Up, but not a hatchback, <laughs> yes, exactly. The, gr- the, the more grown car. up Golf. Yeah. 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 And so, which I love the S3. So, but of it's course. It's a great car. I was, I was going to ask you about that uh, mm-hmm. because obviously you guys are the experts. Is I have this S3. Uh, a lot of our customer, or listener customers, our listeners um, are going to have uh, Golf's, Golf R's. What do you think the most cost-effective mod I should start with? It's is? easily a tune. I mean, hands down, bang for your buck. You know, you spend $600 and you can get yourself, you know, 60 horsepower to the wheels. And you, from there, I mean, everything is incremental, but you just can't beat that for the money. Um, and it's funny because a lot of our customers, they put the tune on the car and they're like, wow, this is what it should have felt like from the factory. You know, Mm -hmm. this, this is what it needed to wake it up and make it much more responsive. But then you're, you're opening yourself up to kind of that, that spiral of, of the mod bug that you get. And you're like, well, I just want a little bit more and a little bit more. And we don't suffer from that. None of us know what we're talking about here. So, um, but yeah, by far the, the tune is the best, um, the best thing that you can do with your money for those cars. And I mean, and I know we talked, we actually talked about this a little bit when, when they first got the S3, um, <clears throat> the, 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 the manufacturers are kind of onto these tunes. They don't, you yeah. can't take them on and off and they know you've done yeah. things to them. So yeah. it's sort of something that you're going to have to, you know, it's worth the horsepower. It's worth the fun, but you may have some warranty issues going down the road. Yeah. Not because things are going to break, but they're going to know you did it. Sure. Okay. Yeah. If, if keeping your factory powertrain warranty intact is super important to you, then a tune isn't your best option. And there's other ways around that. There's things you can do that's kind of a halfway point, like a piggyback where, you know, you can still get some horsepower to the car. It's not actually flashing the ECU. Yeah. You're not going to have that line of code within the ECU that's changed and altered so that the manufacturer can see it. Um, but there's also other options and alternatives that we offer to help cater to those customers that do want to keep uh, a warranty intact. So APR, one of our, our main tuning providers, they offer APR Plus. And so basically... You pay roughly double the cost of a regular stage one tune, but what you get is a warranty with that. So what they do is they give you a warranty that matches your factory powertrain warranty. So if you get a, you know, let's say, for example, you brought your S3 to us and you still had, you know, two years and 50,000 miles left on your factory powertrain and you said, I want to keep this intact, you do APR plus. And then if something were to happen to your car that would regularly be covered under a factory powertrain warranty, but isn't because it's tuned, you bring it to us and APR covers that because that was the additional money that you paid for on that coverage. So there's actually a really cool offering in that regard that allows people to still tune the car and still feel like, okay, I have some safety here in case, for example, worst case scenario, my engine blows up or something and now I'm I'm out $10,000. Well, no, you're covered from APR plus. So do they have there's a deduct- options. Deductible on that? 
No. No. no, you just pay awesome. the you just pay the tune cost. Hey, they're listening. That's a good thing. That's great. They are. I mean, yeah. That's a wonderful you know because the other the other times it's like yep thanks we're sorry your tune blew your our tune blew up your car but <laughs> yeah have right. a nice day. You might right. need a fire extinguisher. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get a so, fire stick. Yeah. 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 I mean, for what it's worth though, I mean, we've we've tuned at this point hundreds of Golf R's and S3s, and yeah, I mean, with any with any vehicle that you see, you're going to have issues. You're going to have certain cars and exceptions to the rule that have problems. But in in all reality, those cars have actually been really good. They all have their they're common issues and, and they're small things, but uh, in terms of like catastrophic failure, not something we see super often. That, and, yeah. and to me, that's going to come down to a factory issue and the fact that you're going to have a defa- defective block or, or right. something that it's not necessarily the tune's fault. Usually yeah. the turbos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they eat themselves, yeah. 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 Well, and that's really common on the S6, for yep. example. So they have the issue with the with the turbo oil screens, which basically regulates oil pressure to yep. the turbos. And so when we get an S6 customer that comes to us and they say, well, I want to tune the car and I want to, I want to do all this and say, are your oil screens done yet? No. Okay. Well, then we're not going to tune your car because we want to take care of our customers. Yep. At the end of the day, it's it's not about us getting you know every dollar out of the customer. We want to make sure people are taken care of and they have a car that's reliable and that's first and foremost. That's a really good thing to bring up. Um, let's take our first break. We're a little overdue for that, but when we come back, I want to talk more a little bit more about what goes into a tune. We went over it briefly one time on the show, but I would love to hear it from an expert, and then I'd love to get to know you a little bit more. So we'll okay. be right back. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. All right. So, we were talking about tunes when we left off. Welcome the break. back. No, yeah, welcome yeah, back. Yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No. Um, yeah. So, tell me, what is a tune actually doing? Is it just raising boost level and adding fuel? That's a small portion of the equation there. So, uh, part of, and we don't actually develop the tunes. So, right. the companies that we utilize, which is APR and Unitronic and Velocity AP and Dynan and things like that. They spend a lot of time doing the development. Um, so they put cars on the dyno and they spend, you know, however many hundreds of hours and they put all these sensors throughout the vehicle to spend time developing and monitoring a tune that's going to be safe, you know, reliable, but also make the power that you want for the money that you're paying for. And so uh, a boost and fueling and timing and, and all these different things go into it. Um, I've actually spent time on a dyno with a tuner before and it's, it's really an art uh, when you watch somebody do that and, and because there's all these different factors that play into it and at the end it creates this product that gives you a well-refined, you know, uh, a tune that, that gives you something that you're, you're happy with and a, and a car that is consistent, something that you're, you can drive down the street, you're going to get on it and you know what you're going to get out of it. Uh, and ECUs and, and computer software has come a long way in vehicles. Um, you know, I was a Subaru guy before and the ECUs were so simple. Yeah, I see. I see yeah. your face over there. Yeah, Yikes. Sure. Yeah. Um, they go fast if you drop them off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right before yeah. the cylinder blows. But, yep. Um, <laughs> and the head gaskets. Yeah. yeah, the head gaskets. Yeah. Um, the ECUs have come so far, so they can also adapt in a lot of ways, um, and they can pick up a little bit of the slack. But in reality, they just spend so many hours, these companies spend so many hours developing a product that – they know that they can sell thousands of customers and that it's, it's going to be reliable and that they can put their name on. And that's the kind of companies that we stand behind. And APR is, is one of those that we've been working with for a long time. And I think a lot of people don't understand that, I mean, everything from your Toyota camera, when they come from the factory, those engines are capable of more. Way more. Yeah. Way more. I mean, yeah. it, it's, they're, they're detuned for insurance and for safety and things like that. So Mainly for mileage. Well, and mileage. a lot of it's through the EPA. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. but I mean, a lot of people go, well, if I go put a tune on my car, it's going to blow up the engine. Well, no, it's capable of that. Like, just like when you put a tune on it, like you said, and it's increasing, you know, the fuel mapping and stuff, like, your, your stock fuel pump will keep up with it to a point. To I mean, a point, yeah, yeah. to a point. Then you have. Then that's when you have to start physically putting parts and things on the sure. car. Sure. I didn't know. Are you guys a Dynan dealer? We are. So Dynan and APR are actually owned by the same company, which is Holly. Okay. Oh, so I didn't know Holly that. Purchased, <laughs> Holly purchased APR and Dynan. I think this was about almost two years ago now. Oh, uh, so it's so relatively recent. Relatively okay. recent. And, okay. and APR and Dynan are actually at the same facility in Alabama now. They moved it out of California. I didn't know that. No, Alabama. 
But I thought Dynan used to be in California for years. They might have been, yeah, yeah. but they moved their headquarters to okay. APR because APR's uh, resources that they have there, I've actually been to APR's That's facility. Great. Oh, cool. Their dyno and all the developmental stuff that they have there is is really broad. So I think what they wanted to do is they wanted to put Dynan under the same umbrella and, and utilize all those things that they were doing. And I think it's increased the level of, of product that Dynan has been able to produce. That's really cool. I mean, I used to have a 10-point Dynan car, so I, 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 okay. I went through all that. But I went through the dealership back when they, you know, it's the only place you could go. So mm-hmm. that's neat to know that they have expanded and then been, been bought out. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can see why Holly did that, getting into the game. It's like, that's a great crossover for them. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, once you put all that time and all that effort and all that money into d- in, into a tune, then you can start making money eventually. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Holly's no stranger at that. Um, mm-hmm. So, Zach, tell us more about you. How did you get into cars and how, what road led you to Octuning? Um, well, I started at the beginning. So, yeah. prior to even me being, you know, conceived, my grandfather actually raced up Pikes Peak well, in the 60s and 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's, 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 that's where really it really cool. starts. So, my family is a racing family. So, my, my grandfather raced up Pikes Peak in the 60s and 70s and he was racing against, you know, some of the Andrettis and the Unsers at the time. And wow. he had uh, an air-cooled Volkswagen that he put a huge turbo on. And he was one of the first people to ever put a turbo on an air-cooled Volkswagen. Thing ran on That's methanol, cool. <laughs> made like 40 pounds of boost. And when you're in Colorado at that level of, of um, altitude, you need all the power you can get. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Pikes Peak and, yep. and what goes into that. Dan is very familiar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, very cool. Yeah. yeah, so I've been up it too, but I, I've never raced it. I've it's never on the bucket it, yeah. list. Um but, but yeah, so that was kind of where that started. And then one of my uncles was, was one of the kind of OGs, I guess you could say, of the Northwest sprint car scene as well. And so when I was a kid, uh, my family was just super into racing. And I got a go-kart when I was, uh, well, four years old. Um, and it just spiraled from there. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of like a natural thing for me. And, uh, and I ended up starting racing cars when I was six. So I raced quarter midgets for oh, cool. almost, almost 10 years. Uh, really competitively had two cars, two classes, and did national championships and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, moved into half-size NASCAR and did that for a while. And then uh, from there, I've just continued to do track days and and kind of get any competitive racing that I can because, uh, you know, racing is just absolutely my favorite thing, so nothing so comes close. And your family was racing a business or was racing a hobby kind of thing? It was always a hobby, but but it was a business in a way because, like, when my when my grandpa raced in Pikes Peak, he had his gas station right there in Colorado Springs, and everything that he could do, all his money that he had, was funneled towards his racing program because, as we all know, um, the only way to get rich in racing is to start being, you know, being start really rich. rich. Yeah, start yeah. wealthy. So <laughs> Making a small yeah. fortune racing yeah. and start with a large one, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, right. yeah. Wow. <laughs> a lot to unpack there, but, yeah. No, that's really cool, though. Yeah, so it's in your blood for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, you said you're doing, you did track days in your golf bar. What are you going to get next? Um, you know, right now, so I'm actually more into the off-road world now. Cause after I got rid of the golf bar, uh, I bought a Can-Am. So I've got an X3 with oh, the turbo sweet. on it. Yeah, those are and fun. that changed everything for me because uh, as much as I love track days and I love interacting with our customers and being out there and everything that came with that, the freedom aspect that I got once I got the Can-Am was just a whole different thing. And oh, yeah. the off-road world, I, I was used to intentionally trying to stay on the ground. And so when you add a factor of like, okay, well, now we can jump the car. And now we can do all <laughs> these other things. And now you have, you know, two feet of travel. It just opened up this whole other world to me. And so I'd like to do more competitive racing than Can-Am. I actually, uh, last summer, did uh, some r- rally cross at Dirtfish. And that was really, really cool. Um, and so I think I want to get a little bit more into the off-road world, but of course, you know, Pikes Peak is always on the bucket list. So I got to figure that out. Well, you can side-by-side up Pikes Peak. Uh, you can. So I think yeah. they actually don't have a side-by-side class yet. I, and I feel think, like it's and, coming. And I think it's coming for sure. And so I would like to be a part of that one way or the other. Um, whatever it is, I got to make that happen. You know, it's, it's my grandpa actually still has his race car. And so he would love Super to cool. see that happen and watch that go down. Yeah. That Can-Am world has come out of nowhere. It's like, oh it's yeah, we insane. have golf carts and now we have things that'll just, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, and it's run by a, a, a small rubber belt. Yeah. Okay. Yep. What could yep. go wrong? Yep. A hundred percent. They are yes, glorified yes. golf carts. It's funny. Cause like I've had the whole oh, front snowmobile end. Engines. Yeah, with snowmobile engines. Yeah. In a turbo. Yeah. yeah. In a turbo. Yeah. 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 I've had mine all the way apart. And when you get down to the, like the bare bones of it, you're like, Oh my God, like there's not, there's not that much here at all. And like this thing zero to 60 in four seconds. This is insane. Yeah. It's just, it's lightweight turbo and 
all suspension. You're paying yeah. the majority of the price is in the suspension. Oh, yeah, 100%. If you look at it, yeah. it's just like it's, all in the dry, oh, it's, it's well, not the for the interior that you can wash out with a hose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had what we had that one that came out to Justin Wilson. Justin Wilson. Yeah, yeah. so Justin, so I know Justin, he's yeah. actually we we've, we've done some some side-by-side stuff together. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um and uh he we actually have he has the a very similar model to the one that I have. Um We couldn't even tell what color his was when he left the track last time at Dirtfish. Yeah. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Used to be orange and black, not anymore. It's brown. Yeah. Now. Well, no, I mean it was, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. you could so was he. Yeah, yeah, we've had Justin on the show and we've had his fabricator, our friend uh Keith Northrop on the show, yep. which you also know. Yep, Keith's a good friend of mine. Yeah. So you guys are all in that same world then. Yeah, so, and, and I can loop back to the question of kind of how I ended up at Oc Tuning. So, and that's where I met Keith. So, um, I started, well, so it's funny. I'll tell this story because I was thinking on my way here, like, how did I end up where I am today? How did I you know, get how did here? I get yeah. here? Yeah. And I really started breaking it down. And I remember this specific moment uh, when I was a kid and I was watching the very first Fast and Furious. And we all remember that. And it was a scene <laughs> where Paul Walker was in that speed shop. And yeah. I remember l- watching him, and I was like, "Hector's, yeah, Hector's." Yep. And I was like, <laughs> "Right Man. after he ran the lightning into the curb." Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and he and he he was selling parts, and he's doing all this stuff, and he's got a street racing on the side, and he's kind of living this life. And I and I remember as a kid thinking, like, I want to do that. Like that looks really cool to me. That lifestyle looks awesome. And I guess subconsciously that kind of always stuck with me as cliche. I mean, everyone's got their Fast and Furious, uh, you know, influence in their life, but yep. that 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 really stuck with me. So. Um, Right out of high school, I opted, instead of going to college, I was like, I know that I can make it without going to college with the things that I want to do, you know? And so I was like, I need to get my foot in the door at a speed shop. I just got to figure out how I can start working my way up the chain. And and I love sales and marketing and and working with customers and everything that comes with that. And so um, right out of high school, I started working at Speedwear. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with Speedwear. Uh, Not around anymore. But uh, I kind of started there just as like a, a shop hand, I guess you could say. And um, that's where I met Keith. So Keith started working at Speedway right around the same time. And yeah, he was fabricating fab- there. He was fabricating yeah. there. Yeah, I think that was actually like his first shop that he ever really worked at as a, as a real fabricator. That was his, his, his beginning there. Um, and then I ended up getting into a sales role, and it just I went from there. Um, so I worked at Speedway for a couple of years. And then I actually worked uh, from there. I went to Cantrell Motorsports, mm-hmm. and I worked there for a few years. And then uh, I worked at a tech company for a little bit. And kind of realized, like, okay, I, I got to get back into the car world. Like, I, <laughs> I, I thought for a little bit maybe I was intertwining, like, my love and my passions with my career. And, and I was. And then when I got away from it, I realized, like, that was a mistake. I, I really actually need to be doing this. And so after that, um, I got my opportunity to Oc Tuning. And our service manager, Oc Tuning, Kelly, who a lot of people are hyper familiar with, mm-hmm. he's been around for so long, we worked together at Speedwear as well. So when I came to him and was like, hey, like, you know, is there an opportunity here for me? He was like, yeah, like, let's do this. And so um, I've been at Octuning for four and a half years now. I feel like it's such a small community here. It's like everybody yeah. has either, everybody's worked at the same places. 425 Motorsports, Speedwear, yeah. Cantrell, uh, what's our friends over in the peninsula? Um, Dundon. Dundon. So you know, yeah. you know what's funny is all these places uh, originally, they all worked at Speedwear at one yeah, point. So exactly. Dan was like one of the originals at Speedwear and so was Colin. And then, you know, they split off and, and did their own thing and started their own companies and did their own iteration on what Speedwear should have been. So Speedwear just hired too many independent people that could get it done without Speedwear. I get it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's, pa- that's part, yeah, of, part it. of it. That's yeah. part yeah. of no, it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we could un- unwind that for a long sure. time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So the, the side-by-side stuff, what have you done to the truck? Uh, the Tundra? Yeah. So the Tundra, I, I actually kept relatively stock, but I added airbags. And last summer, what I did was um, I wanted to get a camper for the truck. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, well, I bought a half ton. So that was kind of a stupid thing to do. <laughs> so then I started looking at options, and there aren't any really for that truck unless you buy like a pop-up. And I wasn't willing to do that because one of the things that I'm also really into is snowboarding. I go snowboarding every weekend. So I was like, a pop-up's not really going to work for kind of what I want to do in terms of snow and wet and just weather and all that kind of stuff. It'll work once. Yeah, Yeah, it'll work once. Yeah, 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 it'll look like an old shower curtain. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So then I found uh, a 1986, it was a 1986 Pilgrim camper and and it was from the factory under a thousand pounds and it was like a full hard side camper. And it was originally actually built to fill to fit on a '80s Toyota Tacoma, and so that's why it was so light because those oh, trucks yeah, obviously yeah. can't carry yeah. a ton. So this thing was like OEM bone stock, 1986 
colorway, interior, everything. And I got it and I picked it up from the guy and I brought it home and I spent a month like every night till three o'clock in the morning renovating this thing and redoing it to make it look legit, but also to fit my truck because it just doesn't fit. You know, the side of my bed was way too tall. Uh, It just didn't work. I needed to make the jack plates wider to make the truck fit in between the the jacks. And so uh, Keith was, you know, one of the people that kind of helped me with that a little bit and uh, ended up renovating this thing and had the camper on the truck, paint matched it to, I got a cement gray Tundra. So I paint matched it to that and kind of redid everything. And uh, I wanted something that we could take to the sand dunes, something that we could take to the mountains every weekend. And and so the mistake that I made, well, it wasn't a mistake, but during the process, I was like, why am I doing this? Was I scraped every square inch of like all the silicone and all the old seal and everything off. And that took me so long. Yeah. (laughs) Resealed it all, repainted everything, put it all together, got it on the truck. And uh, it worked out really well. I actually just sold it like a week ago, the camper. Oh, why did you sell it? Um, so actually, work. I know it was so all that work. It was great, but actually, uh, my it was girl, the project more than anything. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was the process. And we I actually learned, I learned so much throughout that. Yeah. Uh, and so that was really cool, but, um, I only got rid of it cause my girlfriend and I are actually, we just sold our house. Uh, we're kind of getting rid of everything and we're about to actually embark on like an RV lifestyle. So we're buying a four by four super C and we're going to go just get after it. Sweet. Yeah. That'll be fun. I'm really excited. Yeah. That's yeah. big. It's a it's a life change, right? And you're going yeah. from like a, a house to you know an RV, but side living side into the trailer. Or side yeah, we're gonna have an enclosed trailer, so nice. that'll be part of the equation. Uh, I want to pull that around and go check out you know Nevada and Utah and Wyoming and all. I those was gonna places. say Matt no. Foley life living in a van down by the river. They're living yeah. in a van down by the river. river. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so nice. Idaho so and Utah are gonna be calling your name. Yeah, I've got a lot of family in Idaho, so that's part of it. But I've seen so many cool areas in Utah that like I'm oh, just yeah. I'm just drawn to that area in Wyoming too. Something tells me he'll end up somewhere in Colorado. I don't know where. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah, somewhere over there, big hill somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's like 200 miles of roads right outside of Alpine, Wyoming. You can go to that you'll yeah. never see anybody on, and there's yep. which we know of. And then Utah backcountry discovery route is basically just like everything east of Salt Lake City. Yeah, because <laughs> they yeah. just they're, they're open to it. Like, yep. Yeah, Utah's your, huge hub for that. Yeah, they don't care. They're just like, you're going to drive it on a rock. Do whatever you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, are you going to break a rock? Yeah. 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 <laughs> They're like, go for it. Yeah, I love yeah. it out there. It's, uh, I keep, I'm envious. Yeah, that's, that me too. That sounds absolutely fabulous. And yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. So Appreciate that. It's, yeah. it's going to be a big change. It's funny because like before I met my girlfriend, I had this idea to do this solo. I was like, I want to go live this life. I've kind of had this calling mm-hmm. or whatever. And then one day I sat her down and I was like, just give me 15 minutes to like pitch you this idea and I pitch it to her and then the next day she's like let's do it and I was like oh it's it's real now like now I now we're committed <laughs> oh crap somebody yeah, else is gonna like, make <laughs> she's holding me accountable for this now yeah um so so yeah like we kind of started doing all the research into what this RV was gonna look like and what our options were I knew I needed four-wheel drive um so that really slimmed down our options and yeah um yeah so so what'd you end up settling on so uh, originally, I was just going to buy a Class C, and they actually don't really sell Class Cs that are four-wheel drive out of the box. So I was going to buy this company, U-Joint Off-Road, makes a 4x4 conversion kit that you can lift it up, put 4x4 on it, and go anywhere you want. And then I drove uh, a Class C with, like, the new Ford 7.3 liter, they call it a Godzilla motor. Yep. And it just didn't do it for me. I was like, I'm still in a van chassis in the front seat. And like, this thing's naturally aspirated. Like it's, yeah, it's got 450 horsepower, but I could just, it just wasn't going to do it. I was like, we're going to lug across the country. Like we have plans to go to the Daytona 500. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to Florida and just like have this thing floored the whole way, towing the side by side if we're going anywhere. So went back to the drawing board. Um, and now we ended up landing, there's this company called Dynamax, uh, and they make uh, four wheel drive out of the box, class C turbo diesel. So it's built on the Ram 5,500 chassis with okay. the 6.7 liter Cummins turbo diesel. Yeah. So great, great foundation. And highly um, tunable. Highly, well, yeah, <laughs> EPA doesn't know, but yeah. Um, um, Look away. Yeah. 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 So, so that, that's, that's what we ended up landing on. And they have this, this, specific one uh and tell me if i'm getting too far into this no, i can talk about this stuff good. forever 
It's Explore Package. No, this is giving me time to go to their website. There you go. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the Dynamax Asada 530FW, and this one's the Explore Package. Yeah, so it's that, but the Explore Package. Uh, yeah, that. Oh, that's sweet. Um, that looks horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I want one of those. Yeah, I'll take two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Explore Package is cool because it comes with 800 watts of solar on the roof and oh, 8,000 nice. 8, yeah. watt generator. Like the walls are special insulated, everything's thermal lined, so you're not going to have issues in sub freezing temperatures. You still get a queen or king size bed. Queens, yeah, queen size bed in the back, and then you have like an overhead bunk. Pretty cool. Like we've yeah, got a no, dog. No, we've got a dog with us too, so like we needed a little bit of space. Um, but the four wheel drive was like hyper. That was non negotiable for me because when it comes to the snow, I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm just not putting on chains. I'm just yeah. not doing that. Like I need to click a button, and we need to plow through this and keep going. And yeah. so like it's kind of crazy that industry because I've done so much research. Like companies are just now starting to cater to this four wheel drive like super C industry. And there's only really three options. It's like those guys. There's another one that's built on the Ford, the new Ford. Yeah, uh, Earth Roamer. Well, Earth Roamer, yeah, if you're going to pay half a million dollars. Yeah. Which is, dude, don't get me wrong, like Earth Roamer is awesome. It's badass. Oh, yeah. But, but, but what we're <laughs> buying is like a kind of an Earth Roamer light in yeah, a way. Everybody you know? wants the, the Mercedes Benz, the Sprinter four-wheel drive. So that's not Class C, though. But I know, but I'm saying that's the that's yeah. the, the fad, and people are finally yeah. realizing, like, hey, I'd like to have four-wheel drive and have space. Space. Well, yeah. And, and true four-wheel drive, because they're not. They're, yeah. The Sprinters are that weird configuration. I forget what it's called, but it's like an 80-20, and it's not a full... You can only... If you go by the manual, you can only up to like 35 miles an hour. Yeah. They're not a true four-wheel well, drive. And they're blows, not that great. What blows me away is the, the price of the Sprinters, yeah, too. 100 like grand yeah, 100, 150 grand for like a well-built one. You're like, wow, that's a really yeah. nice motorhome. Like kidney. Yeah. So are you, are, you, are you building this from the ground up? Or are you? This thing's coming from the factory ready to go. Nice. Yeah. Did you guys spec it? Uh, so you can pretty much choose, there's a few options. You can choose like interior, uh, and a couple other things, but like the Explorer package is like the special paint scheme with the solar, with the yeah. insulated walls, mm-hmm. with all that stuff. So it's really exactly what I wanted cool. with everything ready to go. And then I'm going to have to actually, I'm going to have Keith build me like kind of a cool rear end that's inspired by the earth roamer with like a rear bumper on it. And, and you know, the, the storage and ladder and all that kind of stuff, because we're yeah. going to pull the side by side and I need, that's awesome. need yeah, so it's pretty crazy. I'm even more jealous now. I saw it. I know. Oh, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The van life is one thing that yeah. some people could get on or get. You know, they're just that sounds awful. This sounds awesome. Yeah, because it's space and, and comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, as you know, my parents. That's their. My mom wants one of the Sprinter vans. And well, all. now she wants one of those. Yeah, and she I just know it yet. Think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, wor- I'm worried about those two driving a Sprinter van. I don't know if I want to put them in something bigger. <laughs> Well, at so. least they'll be the ones that are safe on the on the end. Yeah, of that. yeah. exactly. <laughs> that's true. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's neat. So, you, I mean, do you guys have the trip all planned, or is it just places you know you want to hit? Loosely, so like yeah. we uh, the side by side stuff. My favorite thing is the sand dunes. So, like we do that a lot, um, and so we have a dune trip that we go to every August. And so August is like Coos or whatever down there. Yeah, it's yeah. near Coos Bay, yeah. just on the Oregon coast. There, there's mm-hmm. a lot of cool areas that we yeah, go to camp with. It's a huge group, and you know, we've got people with banshees and side by sides and all kind of stuff. And it's like it reminds me of like Mad Max, but like also a family spin on it. And like you're burning gas the whole time. And like every time you go to the dunes, I cover like 500 miles in the Can Am, and you look back and you're like, what was I like? How much did I drive? How did I do that? Yeah, but it's Mad Max, but everybody's civilized and has dinner together. A little bit, right? exactly, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. the parties uh, in Glamis can get a little insane. They always have been. Yeah, <laughs> haven't been there yet, but I've seen some wild videos out there. Yeah, um, the, wild, the wildest party I've ever been to is out at Moses Lake in the Dunes on the Fourth of July. That was Moses Lake is. Uh, that's not a good Dune experience. No, 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 it's, it's not. not. Even no, it's not. That's the most I've ever on a weekend seen a helicopter land yep. that many times. So. Also yeah. not real sand dunes. It's like volcanic ash and dirt. But yeah, yeah, it's crap. If you've never been down to real dunes, I highly oh, we've been, yeah, we've, I've been down to, to, to Coos. We've okay. got people down there. But yeah, it's, that's incredible. But yeah. So, so yeah. August, we have our dune trip. And then we're going to leave from there. And then we're going to head south, like towards Arizona. We've got some friends in Texas that we want to go visit. And then from there, we're going to kind of cut over and work our way up through Utah, Wyoming, and all that. And then... Winter's going to come around, and then we're going to be chasing powder all winter. So, well, so you'll be in the right area with Utah. Yeah. Any, every, anything around there, like that powder in Utah and Colorado and uh, even Idaho, actually, is really good even compared to here because we yeah. just get such wet snow here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and you get a little bit more elevation in some of those other areas, too. Like you mentioned Colorado. It's like yeah. I went and rode there uh, two years ago, and you're like at, you know, 12,000 feet elevation. <laughs> you're like, dude, this stuff's like sand. This is amazing, yeah. you know? I love that. So. Yeah, Aspen, it. Breckenridge, and Vale, they live up to the hype. Yeah, they all do sure. right over there. Yeah. That's how why they charge so much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the, still the most expensive gas I've ever bought was Aspen. 
Six bucks a gallon. Well, was Oof. that Aspen's fault, or was that how the way the GTR was tuned? <laughs> no, 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 no. The, the GTR <laughs> was tuned terribly, but the but Aspen, like, it's the only... The, the gas station is nicer than most houses, for one. It's I a log cabin, yeah. and it's beautiful, but it's six bucks a gallon. It's the only game in town. Yeah. Well, wait a couple of weeks. It'll be six bucks. Yeah, we're, we're on our way back. We're close. Yeah, we're on our yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucky us. Lucky us. I have, to, I have to be careful now. I have to fill up at uh, no less than a quarter of a tank, or it, it caps off, because it caps off at 100 at the, yeah, at the pump. Yeah, I hate oh. that. So I can't go below a quarter of a tank, because it's a 35-gallon tank. You know what you need? Mm. It's a dual sport. <laughs> I have been riding the monkey. Yeah, I'll, have to, I'll have to pick your guys' brain a little bit because I'm looking for, I don't know if I'm going to do a dual sport or what, but because we're not bringing a vehicle with us that's street legal, right? So Honda I'm, monkey. I'm, yeah, Honda monkey, okay. I mean, truthfully, he's, he's <laughs> not wrong in the fact that if, if you know that you're just going to be using it for running around town. Not, not just that. I, I mean, wanted you, to do other you things. Can, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a, a dual sport. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to be hauling a Can-Am, you've got room for a monkey anywhere because a monkey yeah. will, will fit in front, in the front <laughs> of a can. Okay. Buy one and thank me later. Yeah. So everybody buys one and is, is happy they did. He's like, this is ridiculous. So then they go ride it. And they're like, I don't ever want to stop riding. It's my favorite thing I mean, to it's ride. It's called Honda Monkey. Since, I'm already off to a Since we're start, spending so. your money, yeah, she's your girlfriend's going to want one too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she so, is. Yeah. I mean, the Honda Monkeys are great for getting. I mean, going to the store and stuff like that. You can, but I mean, dual sport wise, if you know you're going to be, if you want to be doing off road and on road and stuff like that, there's you know, do your research. Look yeah. at the Kawasaki. Look at the Suzuki. Look at the 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 Hondas and stuff like that, but I mean, it's the one thing you're going to want to look at more than anything is is fuel mileage because a lot of these bikes, the dual sports, they only got like one or two gallon tanks. Yeah, that's a problem. And like my my the, the KLM's got <laughs> almost six gallons, and I think the Suzuki's got four and a half. So I mean, it's and, but you're still getting forty, fifty, sixty miles a, a, a gallon. So you're still going to be able to do that. But yeah. weight is another thing. Is in the fact that you know, I, I mean, I'm sure Keith could build you, you know, a really nice rack for the back of that that sure. would lift that up and down. But if you're going to be hauling a trailer, it'd be very easy. I mean, well, yeah, with the trailer. Well, so that's the thing, though, is like, I w- there's going to be times where the trailer is not going to be with us, yeah. and I want something that I can have a bike of some sort that's going to allow me to like run to town or whatever yeah. I need to do. And so, but it's yeah, you're, you're right. Weight is 100% a big factor. A light hitch mount bike. Yeah. Yeah, you're not very big, so even yeah. like a, a, a well-tuned, a high-output 250 plus, the new CRF 300L is so, a really popular yeah, option. So, yeah, I heard that Honda actually is now making a 250, but it's a four-stroke that they offer. And I was like, yeah. that kind of sounds perfect, because I rode a 450 in the dunes, and I was like, this the, is a lot, this you know. The CRF is now the CRF 300 and 300L Rally. Yeah. Okay. They're hard to find. Very hard to I, find. Because it was on my list to find. and. Yeah. They're nice. It's not. It's not a ton of power, but the bike is really nice. It's. It's not carbureted, you know, and it's. It's a really neat bike. Um, it's really light. It's really quick for the size, and yeah. it's a really good. Everybody calls it like the, the. They're calling the rally like the perfect dual sport because it fits that niche of fast enough to get you on the highway comfortably, but low enough to get you around the trails if you wanted to, and okay. super lightweight. So, and if you can find one, they're like six or seven grand too, which is really cheap for what you're getting compared to like a KTM is going to be twelve. Know, yeah, ten yeah, to twelve plus. So. Uh, CRF four four fifty RL is the new uh, dual sport that in the four fifty yeah. range, but that's still going to put you out probably twelve. You can get into it. You can get into a Suzuki. DR 650 for around seven, and you can get into the Kawasaki for around seven. That's and pretty reasonable. And, the, they, and Kawasaki just brought back the KLR, my bike, this year, the, a brand new one, and, and it's not carbureted anymore. There's a bunch of upgrades that they've done. So. It's a big bike, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's heavy. Okay. We can talk bikes forever. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Buy Let's, a monkey. Listeners, write in. Yeah. Buy a monkey. Write in, email us, call us, tell us what we should talk about on bikes, because we yeah. need to get more bi- motorcycle guests in here. But yeah, I'm excited for your trip. You're going to be hitting all of my favorite places on the western side of the the U.S. And yeah, I would move to Utah. Is definitely high in the place I would move to, not be, because of the lifestyle that comes with it. There's yeah. just so much to do there all the time. If you're an outdoor person, Utah is like your number one on your bucket list. You just don't know it yet. That's what I've seen, and like <laughs> yeah. it kind of seems like their real estate's almost on par with with where ours is right now. Well, it depends where you go. Yeah. yeah, the tough part is is like the only real airports like. Salt Lake City. Yeah. And you, like Moab is where I want to be, but you've got Grand Junction, Colorado. That's two hours away or Mo- or Salt Lake City, which is two hours away, but that's your closest airport. So sure. it's, it's not like, I mean, it's not too bad, but it's a long drive if you're just running in and out. In and out yeah. I still want a place in Moab so bad, but it's expensive there. Anyway. Huh. Only you. Nobody <laughs> yeah. else wants to live yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moab real estate is booming right now. So it's, I think, I think we're going to see another boom in Utah and Salt Lake City here pretty soon, actually, because it's like Idaho is running out of real estate. They were number one yep. for a while, and now I think Utah's next. Yeah. So anyway. People will discover Wyoming eventually. Yeah. I was going to ask you, um, going back to the Octuning yeah. side before we take our next break, um, 
suspension brakes do you have a favorite of like which which brands or brake upgrades you're doing things like that i know yeah yeah tell me more about that actually yeah i mean stop tech has been like our number Mm -hmm. one really um just because like for the overall cost and the performance that you get out of a a big brake kit and the options that you have um you can get yourself a nice six piston kit and and for not very much money, that's going to be a huge upgrade over what you have stock. And then also it allows you to easily switch pads in and out. So if you want to have a nice street pad that you've got, and then you want to go to the track and switch it out, you know, it's like two bolts and you put it in and out and you've got a fresh set of track pads on there. Michelle Graff, I'm talking to you. I saw your post and you just toasted your pads on the track. Thank God you had a a loaner set of brake pads. But yeah, I was thinking about that the other day is one of the things that the S3 extra is pretty good brakes, better than I expected because the car is pretty small, but with every car I've ever driven, with the exception of, like, my Turbo S and my Z06. Okay, not the Turbo S. <laughs> they've all needed bigger brakes. Yeah. That's, like, one of those things. Like, why does no, especially trucks, for that matter. Trucks, huge. Yeah. It pisses me off. Like, the Raptor has terrible brakes for the size of the truck. And to, and to, to get them an upgrade, you have to change the wheels. Because right. it comes with to 17s, that it, which have, like, a notoriously, like, half-inch gap between the caliper and the wheel. So rocks yeah. get stuck in there all the time. Great move for a truck Ford. Anyway, well, there's no flex lot, in those wheels. So you're what fine. a lot of people don't realize is that, like, uh, while a bigger caliper does help, some of the most important factors for being able to stop better is also pad compound. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, you pop, well, you have that, and then also, you know, a higher temperature fluid, which a lot of people, they go to the track, and they're like, I just melted my brakes. And it's like, well, you also don't realize that a lot of these cars have really intrusive traction and stability control, and even though you don't know it, it actually it's is applying. Yeah, it's applying the brakes the whole the time, time, and it's saving you. It's keeping the car straight, but that's why your brakes are melting. Yep. And so, there's so many different factors that go into that. And a lot of our customers, it's funny because they they try to tiptoe this line of like, I want a track car that's like does all the track things, but I also I want a street car that does all the street things, the right thing. And it's like, okay, a lady in the street and like, a freak in the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's called yeah. money. Yeah. yeah, that's what that's yeah. what supercars. You get can their have name that. From. Right. You can yeah. just have multiple cars. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You can. Exactly. You're track Miata and your street Miata, and you're actually in the cheapest, probably yeah. the most efficient way to go. But yeah, I was, we've talked about that on the show a few times. Like what you're paying for a lot when it comes to supercars is the ability to do both. Because yep. people don't realize how expensive that is to make a car that can do both. It's like an ultimate all-season tire. It's like it does everything, and yeah. and it does everything well. And you know, but. The S3, you know, your car specifically, that chassis that's built on the MQB chassis, mm-hmm. they're just such great cars. Um, they handle so well right out of the box. But when you start actually kind of doing some, some small things here and there to them, they can be phenomenal. So even if people don't want to lower the car down and they, and they want to maintain their ground clearance, getting yourself a set of front and rear sway bars uh, and getting yourself more than anything on these cars, in my opinion, that, that makes the biggest difference is getting camber dialed into the front because they're so they don't have enough camber so they're they're a the tire wear is is really poor mm-hmm. right at the they box push a lot they understeer terribly yeah. but that's also because it's a that's a product of the haldex system so the haldex all-wheel drive system isn't like a lot of the all-wheel drive systems like a lot of people that have subarus are familiar with the, the you know the symmetrical all-wheel drive which is great you know i love the symmetrical all-wheel drive system so when i had my golf r one of my favorite things that i did is i got a haldex controller that completely changed the way that that Haldex all-wheel drive system worked. So what it did was it applied uh, 100% of available torque to the rear wheels under active driving. So now, suddenly under braking and acceleration and even coasting, the amount of torque that is being transferred to the rear wheels from the all-wheel drive system was significantly greater. So now the car doesn't understeer as much. Now I can actually get the car to oversteer, and I can get it to rotate and get get it to handle a lot better so there's things that you can do to make these cars a lot more neutral because, admittedly, they do understeer terribly and they have mm-hmm. bad tire wear out of the box, but it's totally fixable. Like, you can you can change those things and get yourself a car that is really transformed. So there's even things like we sell we sell a kit called Eurosport Camber Kit, and it replaces your, your strut mounts on top, and it allows us to get – it's basically two degrees of camber – uh, without having something that's super clunky and noisy like what you'll find from a lot of camber mounts that are a lot yeah. of people are used to. So there, that noise isn't there, but now you have this camber and a car that actually has much more progressive and much more responsive turn-in and something that feels a lot better to drive on the street and on the track. Yeah, so rear sway bar is usually what I tell people to start with on these chassis. But yeah, I didn't think about the camber mounts. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, well, and a lot of people like to do just a rear bar, and, and I can understand the approach there, but I really think... <laughs> You should do a front and rear bar because, like, 
if you have a front end that's just super soft and the rear's stiff, it's yeah. just the feel there is not is not linear. So when you get front and rear bar, especially because a lot of our front bars are actually adjustable, you get something that just feels a lot more neutral, and then you can dial out that understeer and give yourself a car that just is way more fun to drive. I will say when when I put the the bars in the the BMW the Dynan, mm-hmm. even though they were not adjustable, night and day. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't even tracking it; I was just driving it hard around the city. But like, I mean, how much it stiffened it, and how much that it just and my tire wear changed everything. It was incredible. Well, they yeah, they. I mean, they when they build these cars, they try and build them for a broad audience. If yeah. you want to be a more performance oriented driver, going to a stiffer sway bar is going to definitely help with that. Uh, it's going to take away from some of the softer aspects of the car, but not in a way that's bad in my opinion. No, if it's you're just a body. It's roll. Yeah, it's roll. And so, like, yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. Some people can find it abrupt. I guess I can think of. Some drivers that are just be like, why is it so tight and twitchy? They would twitchy is what they would probably call it, but it's yeah. not. If you're perfor- if you like performance driving and you like spirited adventures in the back roads, you there will love is. this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. If you're a spirited driver, I highly recommend sway bars. I've done them yeah. on a lot of cars and they've been worth it. So yeah. Well, and the thing about the especially the S3 and the Golf R, the suspension out of the box actually is is really pretty good. And if you're okay with the height, adding just those bars alone to get rid of that roll is a really good combination. And a lot of our customers are super happy with that. And they're like, wow, this is a completely different car to drive now. Like this is way better. Now I want a golf R. Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should get one. <laughs> you should get, you should get the Mark eight though. So the really cool thing, I don't know how much you guys know about the new Mark eight that's coming nope. out. So the Mark eight is actually a completely different all wheel drive system. They're getting away from the Haldex system and they're actually doing a torque vectoring system. So that they're basically doing what Ford did with the focus RS and also, they're including, like, like Ford did, the drift mode. So now you mm-hmm. can actually change. That's the last thing I need. You can change. <laughs> exactly what you need. <laughs> I don't know what you you're can, talking about. You can yeah. change the vectoring. So now you can have, like, you know, like an 80-20 or 70-30 split, uh, which is going to be awesome. And then the new Golf R is actually coming with a little bit more power. The, the, the facelift look that they've done is, uh, it's a face that most mothers would only love from what we've seen from photos they so took far. some notes from bmw they did with the Let's new punch grills, it in the face i i think <laughs> i think it's i think once it's in person i think it's going to grow on people like most things like the most things Even I, though, I saw it i don't think it looks as bad as some people are saying but it yeah. doesn't look i think it doesn't look as good but yeah whatever for sure yeah let's uh we're overdue for our next break we'll take a quick one and we'll be right back we spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens laptops smartphones tablets even digital refrigerators But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. And we're back. Uh, you guys, Octuning is an Avance partner, I believe. Yeah. Is it 10% off services or what is it? 10% off labor. And then, I mean, I always give people deals. Like we've had a lot of customers come through that want BBS wheels because we're a dealer for them. Oh, yeah. And so um, I always just try to make sure that we're beating whatever price we can see online and we're taking care of people and they're happy with the experience. Uh, Avance is, it's funny because Adam came to us really, really early on, uh, before Avance was anything like what it was today. And it was the ride sharing program. Oh yeah. And we were super apprehensive. And I remember like thinking, I don't know if we want to be a part of like people sharing other people's cars that we don't know and all this stuff. And I was like, I I don't know. We were just, I liked, I liked Adam as a person and I liked where he was going with stuff, but the ride sharing thing was, we weren't sure. And then he kind of started to evolve it, and we were like, okay, we definitely need to be a part of this. We think this community is is neat, and what Adam's got going is awesome. Yeah, it exploded and now. <laughs> exploded, and it's such a unique, like, I've actually never really been a super big car community guy, because some of that stuff. Because they're usually terrible. There's, yeah, they're usually <laughs> terrible, and I just, I don't know, I didn't really like that. And Avance has been a complete game changer in that, like, yeah. it's just a community where it's, I don't know, it's it's one of a kind for sure. So we're really excited to be a part of that. I unapologetically joke about, like, there's there's two sides of this. There's Avance, and then there's, like, Seattle Cars and Coffee, <laughs> which is just, like, a shit show of everything wrong with the car community and then Avance, which is everything right with everything the car community. Everything right, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 Can't say it better. Yeah, I'm yeah. unapologetic with that because that, that's a, just a cesspool. And, and we <laughs> pride ourselves because uh, I think we're the number one, like, referrer for Avance. We've gotten so many customers to get on board with it just because, like, it's a community thing, you know? It gets yeah. people excited to, like, hang out with other people that are somewhat like-minded but different cars um, without having that other side of things that you don't like about car groups. Yeah, and Avance took its name from the uh, 
Audi Avant yeah. wagon. Yep. So what? I know. <laughs> Never heard that. <laughs> I don't, what's so strange. Okay, yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you are an Avant, speaking of what's going on with, with Avant, Avant, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you are an Avant's partner, uh, you're going to want to check out. Uh, the Avant's Stu's Garage DIY series, they're doing brakes. That is uh, Wednesday the 2nd from 6 to 7.30 at Stu's Garage. And you can learn how to change your pads and rotors, how to properly bre- bleed your brakes, and more. Um, that's still the one thing I won't do for people is I won't bleed their brakes. I'll do my own, but I won't bleed somebody else's. Like, that's on you. Yeah, yeah it's a liability. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I'll do the pads and the rotors, yeah. and that, that's it. When is the next off-road event with Brandon Ben Pal? That will be the 19th with Brandon Ben Pal. So June 19th with Brandon Ben Pal. Yeah, know, have okay. a drink with Brandon Ben Pal. Brandon Ben Pal, yeah. Come on out and see <laughs> Brandon Ben Pal. Uh, he loves that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we should bring Rainier into that. I don't know if I'll be back for that, but uh, Nick should I'll be. be there. Yeah, Nick will be there. I, I will be With Brandon there. Ben Pal. Uh, there was a dino day that was uh, just before that but there's another one coming up on the 26th of june so for those people who missed the first one you missed out but uh 26th of june will be another dino day and there's a track day a lapping day track lapping day at pacific raceways on the 24th so lots of good stuff coming up excellent yeah, you should take the Tundra out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to keep that one at home. But I'll bring some, the Can-Am. Some yeah. slicks on the Can-Am. You can bring the Can-Am. So that's that actually, would actually be fun. That's actually on the docket. So I, I saw, I'm inspired by a picture I saw. A guy had like slammed and he put legit slicks on it. And I was like, oh, I absolutely have to do that now. So you can do that. Um, a, a friend of mine even has a set of slicks for me. I just got to find the right set of wheels for it. Um, I don't know if that'd it, be that hard. It's, it's not. It's really not that big of a Probably deal. Probably cheap too. Yeah, I mean, you just got to get the right set of wheels, and, and you're good, uh, and bring probably an extra belt. Cause I was like going to say, a couple yeah. extra belts, and yeah. you're good to go. I've, yeah. blown, I've, blown, I've blown one belt so far, and then I kind of learned my lesson of, like, okay, there's a threshold. But. Yeah, with all that traction, I, I would imagine it's even harder on it. Well, it's in the sand dunes, too, like my big, huge rear paddles, like, yeah. and it's just the heat out there. It's really heat more than anything. Oh, yeah. So Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if there's a fix for that. Uh, oh, you can somebody get a, will. You can get a belt temp gauge, and that helps you to, like, kind of regulate uh, how hot you're getting things. Or you could just drive normal. Yeah, well, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, wonder I wouldn't either. The temp gauge, is that just like a, a laser sensor pointing at it and reading the temperature constant? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Huh. No, it's a guy in the back seat with one of those temperature <laughs> gauges going, 107. It's hot. <laughs> yeah, it's hot. <laughs> Slow down. I'm seeing smoke. Give me that fire stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, that's a great place for when we don't want a giant metal bottle. You can grab one of those fire sticks and yep. clip it on. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. All right. All right. If uh, people want to get a hold of you at Octuning. Yep. My email is Zach, Z-A-C-H, at Octuning.com. Or you can just give us a call. Our phone number is super easy, 425-895-0000. We're also on uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you need to do to reach out to us. We can definitely help you out. Excellent. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate right. it. I appreciate it, guys. Thank yeah. you. I'm sure we will be in touch. Yeah. So yep. I'll talk to you soon about yeah. Howdy Mods, or someone else will. Yeah. <laughs> Bring <will>. it by. <laughs> for this She'll episode like. of Rain City Supercars, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.